Welcome to episode 231 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello! And, Ma- <laughs> and Matt Casal. Hello! Tequila! It is Monday night, March 12th. We were we are fresh off watching the Pee-Wee's Big Adventure trailer. <laughs> <laughs> that's not and what that's we're, what we're going to talk about tonight. That's not what we're talking about tonight, but that's the mood that we wanted to set. We wanted to bring fun, energy, excitement, but what we are going to talk about tonight, we're going to talk a little what you've been reading, talk some comic books, and we're going to talk what we think about John Favreau being given the keys to the Star Wars television kingdom. But before we get into that, we talk housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. McSauce.com, the home of the web comics reviews and this podcast. Go to McSauce.com to check out all that good stuff. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. We have a Twitter account. Type in MCSOSS at any of those fine social media places, and you'll be able to uh, follow along with us on our comic book adventure. Matt. Thank you. How are you guys tonight? Good, man. Good. Good. Are you feeling like you want to kick it off, Ian, with Star Wars talk, or do you want to get into what you've been reading? Um, Don't we usually traditionally save what you've been reading for the back end of the pod? Clearly, this is my first episode because I couldn't even bring it in correctly tonight, (laughs) Uh, but I think you're right. So why don't we start with, uh, with Star Wars talk with Paul McGinty? So last week it was announced that John Favreau is going to be the producer of a Star Wars live action television series. Um, Where's this television series going to be shown? So far, it looks like it's going to be on Disney's new Netflix style app. Hmm. So that's how it's they're going to be bringing be all their, the viewers. their anchor, much like uh, Star Trek Discovery has been. CBS's apps anchor. Then there's going to be a bunch. Um, there will be a bunch of other stuff on the the Disney app. Well, whenever Disney pulls all of its all of its stuff from Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Whenever it pulls all its Marvel movies, all the Star Wars products, um, Are the and ne- all their and and probably opens up the vault for for a bunch of their different cartoons that maybe haven't been seen in a couple of years. I'm sure that's going to entice a lot. Just that alone, having the movies that are in the vault. When the fuck are they going to quit pretending they didn't make The Black Cauldron? <laughs> They're so ashamed of that movie. Do you think also, they... Song of the South. Uh, bring it all That's back. That's classic good animation. Have, have you... Fairly racist. Fair, very, very. Have you seen that recently or like ever? Uh, Song of the South? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well. Um, so, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of Disney's recent success can be linked specifically to uh, three properties that they have bought in the last 10 years, maybe 12 years, uh, Pixar, Marvel, and uh, Star Wars. If particularly if Marvel had stayed independent, would they have been able to kind of get themselves back on solid footing 
uh, because at the time they were, I think they filed for like chapter 11 bankruptcy and they were in all kinds of like dire straits financially for a time there, maybe in the late nineties before Disney swooped in and, and bought them up. But like if, because personally you're, you're putting the purchase of Marvel by Disney a little too close to the bankruptcy, I think Matt. Yeah. Like it was uh, 10 years difference in, in between. Right. Or, or but, more actually. <clears throat> right. When did Avengers come out? 2013. Um, Avengers came out in 2012. I 2012. Believe. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that was Marvel was back on its feet at that point. Like they had built a separate studio. Yeah. They were pumping out movies that the masses wanted to check out. The, the Okay. So Iron Man was Marvel Studios. That was before Disney owned them. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So. Okay. So Marvel kind of could have taken care of themselves and they could have their own streaming service or determine like no we're just gonna you know be on netflix with everything else and you know make sure that people don't have to pay for yet another subscription service yes i think i am not a fan of disney owning everything i'm not a fan of anything owning everything that's the reason why we have um uh, what's the monopoly laws in this country? You know, I know it. they don't... Apparently Disney is exempt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. I guess it doesn't apply to entertainment. But yeah, I mean, they are buying up most of the most of the entertainment that we all watch. Right, and, and as I think a result, it's kind of troubling. Well, it is to me in terms of oversaturation. We knew it was coming. Uh, I think it's been upon us for a while with uh, Marvel and... We're definitely starting to get there with Star Wars, and I think once the uh, like the new movie series, and particularly the the TV show, yeah, finally hit, I think we're gonna be full on like oversaturated with the stuff, and I feel like it's gonna lose its its impactfulness or the excitement of new Star Wars, whatever. Uh, Are you already feeling a little bit yeah, of that right aren't now? You? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I, okay, I, so I definitely feel like it's it's not the event that it that it once was. Spoiler for those that don't know, but Paul and I work in the same place during our day job, and the news on the new Star Wars TV show broke while we were at work, and and I went up to him and I was like, really, kind of meh on it. And, and like, I guess I'm kind of like, there's a new Star Wars announcement every few weeks now, it seems with like yet more content. And, and I was explaining to Paul, uh, last week that it's not about like quantity with Star Wars. It's about a specific story that frankly has already been told. Everything else is just kind of like. It, frankly it's just expanded universe with star wars well and and star wars to me ain't marvel like marvel can do that because that's what marvel is it's this big expansive ever-growing universe whereas the thing that i liked about star wars was that it was a particular story i thought you did like the expanded universe stuff and i the, like the it. big galaxy nature of star wars well i think that that the big galaxy nature exists within the movies yeah, uh, but, but no. What I like is the galaxy that you you know you want to explore, don't you? Or no? Uh, I'm fine with it existing, but 
it it will never evoke the same kind of uh, excitement that like a new saga film is gonna is gonna do for me. You know, um, with every subsequent movie that, that comes out or gets announced in the saga, I'm a little bit less excited for it. Um, I I just think that Star Wars was meant to be kind of a particular story and if you want to expand it that's okay but that's kind of not really star wars it's almost like it's it's nice bonus stuff which is basically what the expanded universe was yeah i don't know man um like wow i don't know anything about what's going on with this new with their plans for the new TV series. I think that there is opportunity to tell a lot of cool stories and to venture away from the Skywalker core story. I think that Star Wars can be more than that. I don't think anybody's really done that in an interesting way quite yet, but I think the opportunity is there. Like the the pieces of this wonderful universe are all there. There's no reason why somebody can't tell um an equally engaging story with using some of the stuff that we're familiar with. I'm not disputing that. uh, But to me, that gets into Star Trek territory. Uh, You lose the fairy tale nature of what the actual Star Wars story is. It, it uses, uh, you know, the technology and spaceships and things like that to propel a story as opposed to kind of like the fantasy nature of it. And, when you lose you that fantasy without just the Skywalker. <clears throat> um, yeah, you can. Uh, although I don't think that's traditionally what you get. I mean, look at the, the previous expanded universe that wasn't fantasy anymore. It just became straight up sci-fi using the star Wars universe as its setting. And that's not very interesting to me. Like I like the world, the universe, all that stuff. But if it, if it isn't, um, kind of like a more intimate tale about the characters that we know that have already been established to kind of represent Star Wars. Uh, it, there's a major piece that's missing. I, I remember when the prequels were coming out and, you know, as like a 18 year old kid, I was so excited and I would probably try to talk to my dad about it who like kind of didn't care, but probably feigned interest on my behalf. And see, this is why the internet's good. You could reach out and find people. Yeah, right. Uh, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't wait! They're gonna go back, Dad. They're gonna go back in time, and they're gonna, they're gonna like feature Obi Wan Kenobi when he was a young Jedi." And he was like, "Yeah, I don't. I remember him being like, I, I don't know. Like, if you don't have the original characters, I don't know how much that's gonna work." And that's funny to- because that's now how you feel about. <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, yeah. And I mean, to a large degree. Yeah. And, but it's not just like the way I anticipate feeling it's the way that it is. I mean, I, I think that the Star Wars we've been exposed to that aren't the original characters or somehow kind of connected to those original characters is lesser Star Wars. I think some of the new characters that they created, the main three new characters that they created in the the sequel films, yeah, are are entertaining and sure they take a lot of their cues from archetypes built in the original trilogy. But I still think that Ray, Finn, and Poe are fun characters that I'm interested to see where they go. I agree with that. I guess I was referring maybe outside of the uh, saga films and maybe like some of the TV shows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't. 
I can't totally and the novels disagree for that with matter. that. Um, I I did like Rebels. I I didn't keep up with it to the end, but the first two seasons that I watched were pretty good, and I liked Ezra and um, I I don't know. I, I thought it mirrored uh Clone Wars a little bit with like some good, some bad. Yeah. And I don't know. It's Star Wars. It's the way I feel about Spider Man. There should be no bad, right? Like this shit should That's write such a itself. Black and white way to look at entertainment man that like when you have this much and you have so many stories you're gonna get some stinkers when you have so many episodes of a podcast you're gonna get a stinker here and there man well yeah but this, no offense to this podcast but this ain't exactly star wars uh, how dare you <laughs> um paul you've been awfully awfully quiet over there yeah i've just been taking taking all all of this in listening to your thoughts listening to ian's thoughts just really listening to the podcast. Well, I'm so glad that you're here as an observer tonight. <laughs> uh, you know, I the it sounds like stodgy old man, but the more we get away from the original trilogy, the less um the more I the more I feel Star Wars is the original trilogy. Like Star Wars is the story of Luke Skywalker. And once that's done, it kind of doesn't need to go anywhere else. From the beginning of A New Hope to the end of Return of the Jedi, it doesn't really... You you know all you need to know in that story. Like, we're, we're given enough to know about what happened before to speculate because we are Luke in a lot of ways is us. He is, you know, the, he's the, you know, we're going with Luke on the journey. We're learning with Luke. Luke doesn't know what happened. Luke's learning things just like we're learning things. We don't need to know anything before. Not really. Um, we certainly don't need to know everything after because Star Wars at its core is fantasy. It's more a fairy tale than it is. Here's an expanding sci-fi story so once return of the jedi ends you don't really need anything else now i understand making money i don't understand making money for myself you don't understand how to do it but you understand <laughs> right. the concept right of but it, i right. understand i understand the concept and i understand the broad that, strokes of uh, why people if, would want to do such a thing if people <laughs> make money if 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 people want some want more of something well god damn it let's make more of that something. And I don't think they really need to, but they're going to. They're going to keep going to because that's what makes money. It drives the 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 blind followers of the Star Wars brand drive me absolutely crazy. Like I I have a hard time talking to people that don't that just think everything's acceptable. Everything's fine. Kevin Smith drives me crazy on his various podcasts when he's like, like someone will, uh, Ralph Garman or Mark Bernardin will say, you can't possibly want two Star Wars movies a year. And Kevin Smith's like, yeah, more Star Wars. More Star Wars means good stuff. That's great. Let's more Star Wars. Like, no, 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 no. No, as soon as, as soon as Disney bought Star Wars and the prequel trilogy was announced, I, I was out. Like I didn't like it because I knew we were going to get to a point where 
it's oversaturation. It's where it's oversaturation, and I think we're there now. And everything that isn't original trilogy feels like expanded universe. Oh, now I understand the sequel trilogy is canon. That is that is historical record of what happened thirty years after Return of the Jedi, but not to me. That's I mean. Like that means just as much to me as Shadows of the Empire, which I under happens between Empire and Jedi. Like, yeah, like they're they're stories, they're like Star Wars mythology, but like to me that stuff doesn't really count. Like, same with, well, like Clone Wars and Rebels feel more like things that actually happened in the Star Wars universe than. Then like, then some other stuff. Then even Rogue One. Rogue really? One feels like a neat a neat story, like that that they told. Why, why do you feel that way? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Why? The Clone Wars was pretty tightly tied to. Well, it was absolutely tied to the prequel trilogy, which but you always felt, sit there and say doesn't really feel like Star Wars to you either. Right, but it kept like that was the that was the Star Wars timeline we were tied into, Clone Wars, and I think they did a really good job. Dave Filoni and crew did a really good job honing in on that world, really making it feel legitimate, um, fleshing out Anakin Skywalker more, and maybe that's why I think it it feels more like it because it gave me it gave me more of what the movies didn't. It gave me more of a more of a not a character arc but it gave me more subtlety to Anakin Skywalker than we got in the movies because in the movies you, you get a more certain substance you get a certain amount of time you need to get so much done in a short amount of time and i think that slide from being a jedi knight to murdering kids like that's not a couple movies worth of that's a high bar character development yeah. there like that's that's a couple television seasons worth of character development. You really need to dig into that. Um, Rebels nails the tone of uh, pre A New Hope. You really feel like, you know, the ships feel like they're from that universe. You get regular stormtroopers. And it doesn't touch anything else. And it doesn't, like, yeah, Leia's in an episode. Lando's in a couple episodes. But... It doesn't encroach on anything that's already been set up in what is the main story that is four, five, and six. Um, Don't they tell that little bit with Obi Wan and Darth Maul that seems sort of like either better saved for another movie or not talked about at all? Oh, there are there are flaws and flubs in Clone Wars <laughs> and in Rebels. Mm -hmm. Neither of them are, are perfect series, but th like there's just there's certain elements in. In Rogue One, they just don't feel. They don't feel Star Warsy to me. They feel like. They like, someone had an idea and they wanted to put it in there, but it's not. It's it doesn't carry the weight of what Star Wars really feels like. Maybe it's because that's primarily like a war Star Wars movie. Doesn't have you know the fantasy laser swords or any of that in it. But I'd imagine that that's I, that's what I kind of liked about it. It it was taking a look at the rest of the galaxy and what would like the things that were outside of 
the fantasy element of Star Wars, which is which is great, and it is a part of the core of the story. But there are other things happening around that that story that make the Star Wars universe whole. So it was interesting to see it and worthwhile to make the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it it made money. People like it. People dress up as those characters, but in my opinion, we know what we need to know about Rogue One. We learn it in A New Hope. We got these plans. Like, move them on. Like, these are important. Like, it doesn't really matter where those plans came from. At the end of that movie, like, what are you left with? I would have loved to have seen more Cassian and or more Jyn Erso and something, but you can't. And, like, yeah, there's there's merit to the fact that that is a finite story. But what I keep going back to with it is you don't really need to tell that story. We know what we need to know because the important characters at play in that saga are Luke and Leia and Darth Vader. Like, we don't really need to know about, like, how, we don't need to know the how main, they got the plans. There's difference they between got the plans. main characters and important characters. There are important characters all throughout the story that I'm make... Sure there are. And just sure. like in Admiral any story. Admiral Akbar does a lot behind the scenes. The, just like the he, results gets, he gets killed the, behind the, the rebel, scenes. And the Rebels you know? winning. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. <laughs> Zinger. Yeah, like, but I, I just don't... I don't think those that was a story that really needed to be told. As much as I am a component of... Or not a component. As much as I am all for... Proponent. The Obi, a proponent, yes. As much as I'm a proponent of the Obi Wan solo movie being told, it doesn't need told. I don't. It doesn't really need told. I would love to see it because I love Ewan McGregor. And that's I not love to the be way confused he with the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi Han Solo team up. You mean <laughs> just like <laughs> the Obi Wan by himself movie, right? right. Um, yeah. As much as as excited as I would be to see Obi Wan or to see Ewan McGregor be Obi Wan again, we don't need to know. So do we know anything about this new TV series? Just like that John Favreau is, yeah, that's is it. working on it. Not He's like writing it and timeline. producing it. And here's uh, something. This was one of the takeaways that I had with this TV show because when they announced that they were going to make the sequel trilogy, everybody starts speculating who is going to direct this sequel movie, right? Like uh, Steven Spielberg, is it going to be J.J. Abrams, is it going to be John Favreau? And I remember coming to the conclusion that John Favreau needs to be the guy. He will do the property justice without trying to put his stamp on it. He, he'll make a Star Wars movie, not a John Favreau movie. And I maintain that if he had directed episode seven or eight, they both would have been better. Um, and aren't John Favreau movies just proto Marvel flicks? Like, I don't think so. I mean, he did. So? No, I think he did the first Iron Man, which wasn't the Force Awakens proto Marvel flick anyway. Yeah, I I mean not. No, it's like advanced Marvel with all the comedy. Like Iron Man, the original had a steady hand with that comedy. Like it wasn't all yucks. 
But the later iterations of Marvel movies after Favreau kind of stepped away from doing Marvel films. And even after, I, I guess it started with the original Avengers where they started really pushing the the comedy elements. Yeah, that was that was your buddy Joss Whedon responsible for that My one. buddy. And yeah, I guess we are buddy. friends now, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, then it really got cranked up to eleven with uh, Thor: The Dark World, and then, um, and then Guardians of the Galaxy after that. And there's just been no, no there's turning no back. No stop of the banana peels and oh, belly think, laughs. I think John Favreau is a really good choice to be involved in Star Wars. I wish it was Episode Nine. I wish it was too. He lobbied. He wanted to be. Um, one you know the director on episode seven, but you know he was he was. I guess he wanted. Over I guess for, he wanted to be too faithful to the original trilogy. Who knows? You know, at that point, you know, I think they were still working from George Lucas's original idea, and uh, I believe that there is a history between George Lucas and and Favreau. Uh, although I think there was a history between J.J. Abrams and Lucas as well. Um, negative history. Well, I think it's negative now. But anyway, uh, he seems like the right guy for something like this. I do wish it was a movie. To your point, Paul, um, I think it would be a nice way to close it out. Although I have to say, I'm probably most happy that um, episode nine is going to be completed by J.J. Abrams because I feel like there may have been a specific trajectory that the force awakens was setting up that he can now see to completion even if it got a little derailed with episode 8 i think he's a little. Our, i think he's our best hope to only he's our best hope to kind of get what that story was intended to be as opposed to the uh you know i'll tell the first part and you tell the second part and then you tell the next one. Like, that kind of storytelling just doesn't fucking work. I kind of think that's given J.J. a little bit too much credit. Uh, we know his track history of... of closing things out. Closing things out. He's not <laughs> He's not Dennis Eckersley. He doesn't well, come in and close I mean, shit down. I Strong that, starter. I hear that all the time, right? Not a good right? closer. Right. As opposed, aside from Lost, what else? Um. Well, I mean, the Star Trek movies, like, the second one was pretty pretty um sort of set adrift and wasn't the same the second tight. one was all over the place yeah like it wasn't the tight kind of like i know that people don't like the changing of the timelines and stuff but it was it it was a good starting off point for a lot of new fans and a lot of old fans mm -hmm. and then the second one was just like well let's fucking warm up some old stuff and rehash here and it just wasn't it just didn't feel well thought out so there there's a there's something there. Never got that sense before on the Into Darkness we, movie. But haven't we talked about that before? Where we At all kind of thought that it wasn't about, as yeah, good as the original Into Darkness because it's not nearly as good as the first one. Um, I've I've only seen Into Darkness like twice, but I remember liking it. Uh, it's been a while, but. Um, I don't look at that and be and and use that as a basis for like yeah that guy can't finish a, a movie or a series or whatever. Well, I mean that's in that's in tandem with Lost, which was a big disappointment. Lost, Lost to a had lot of a lot to do with Damon Lindelof as well. Like you know it, that wasn't that wasn't just JJ. But I I believe old dogs can learn new tricks. I think 
JJ Do can you? close this out properly. I think he's got a monumental task in front of him since Ryan Johnson took everything he put the he took everything he set up and threw it in the garbage. He didn't even knock those dominoes down. He just wiped the board clean. That's so, why it's perfect because it's now a, new a restart. <laughs> it's right in his wheelhouse. It's it's, it's a very weird Ian, way to you close out. You may have out. just fucking nailed that. It's a really weird way to have to close out the the saga by starting brand new <laughs> with the final movie. Yeah, a deconstructed <laughs> end, which is a beginning. <laughs> it's almost like it's going to have to be like a uh, like an epilogue. Right? That that's how it, that's at the at the end of the last Jedi. That's how it feels. Like yeah. there's there's nothing really to fight for anymore. Like I, I get you want to leave your heroes in a cliffhanger, but that's like that's the ultimate cliffhanger. And we spent a lot of time on on the last Jedi. But I I think I I really would have liked to have seen John Favreau take care of the Star Wars universe, and we get to see it now. Kind of sorta. TV series. Right. What what. Star Wars era, do you hope it's going to be? Hmm. Well, I think that there's... The richest area to mine, I think, is the time in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Because there's so many question marks, you know? Like, as as much as I liked aspects of Episode 7 and Episode 8, I think the most interesting things happen off camera and they happen before we get to episode seven. And those are the things I want to see. Although I don't think that's what it'll be. I don't think we'll get Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and the gang, you know, recast as, you know, with other actors. I I don't think that will be what we get. I think we may get a particular era, but I don't think that they'll recast Luke Skywalker to show that, that part of uh, star Wars history. Ian, do you feel like they will that they could recast Luke Skywalker and Han Solo for like the TV show if they revisited that era, like in between? Do you think that they would go and do that? I don't think that they would try to jump over a hurdle like that. That's I don't such know. a big thing to even accomplish it's, in a movie. Hey, it's, they're doing it in Solo. It's a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's such a big task for a movie or a whole TV series. Like I don't it's know. a part. That okay, here's the difference though, right? The Han Solo movie doesn't matter, but there is there is a missing chunk of the story between episode six and seven that probably should be told. Um, I don't think that oh, well, you know, we we didn't need everything told, the just mentioning the Clone Wars is enough. Um, that's not exactly the same as actually having a gap in between your episodes of a saga and having so many question marks exist. Well, well, here's the thing with that. Whenever they recast people, they either go one extreme or the other. They either go, you know, you're going prequel, you're going younger actor, so there's a suspension of disbelief built in there, or you go older actor. But now you'd be asking to cast somebody in between a version of a character that we've seen the the young, you know, 20s to 30s version of Luke and now the old in his 60s Luke. And now we would be placing a new actor in the middle of that. I think that would be very um, uh, that, that would be very hard to do, if not impossible. 
So do you feel like they need to address the the 30 years in between 6 and 7 in some capacity, whether it's a novel, comic book, or TV show? Um, I don't think they need to. I'm sure that they will. I feel like that's If they do, what's the best vehicle? A, the, it's ripe territory for a comic book, I think. I think that you can get the most expansive story in a comic book. You can probably nail a likeness that's acceptable to people because I think that's going to be more important. To like I mentioned, it's this weird mid-range casting of a character that we've seen that actor portrayed as very old and very young, but not in the middle. Right. So. I mean, they did Han Solo, and what what is this new um, Alden Ehrenreich is. Five years younger than the one that we're introduced to, but it's still it's still not in the middle of Harrison Harrison Ford's performance. Mm-hmm. It's still there's still an area of it's, disbelief. It's just before, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just before, but still, it's before. You yeah, know what I mean? Okay. I think that makes a little bit of a difference. But I don't. Isn't there? I mean, wasn't there a case of they can't recast Han Solo? Han Solo is Harrison Ford. I mean, we. St- and still now, kind of feel like that, yeah, right? Still, <laughs> yeah, and that, but now in a couple months we're getting a brand new one. So if if the money is right, I don't think there's any world that the powers that be at Disney, since they clearly don't care about Star Wars, are like, yeah, <laughs> let's let's re let, let we can't recast Mark Hamill. He is Luke Skywalker. Is he? Because he didn't play Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. So maybe, maybe this is your chance to get someone that's someone younger. You pick up Jon Favreau's series right after Return of the Jedi. We get to see real Luke. Even though it's not Mark Hamill, we get to see someone portraying him more like Luke. And we get to see Luke at the height of his power. We get to see Luke as a Jedi, green lightsaber, getting out there, taking helping take down the rest of the empire start start to build the academy like like i think harris i think harrison ford and han solo are way harder to separate than mark hamill and luke skywalker really personal feeling i don't have anything to back it up but yeah i, I the the harrison ford character is like it's it's so much of harrison ford's swagger and charisma and just who he is, but I think there are plenty of actors out there that could do a passable Luke Skywalker. Like, Luke's, Mark Hamill is not Harrison Ford. Yes, I know this. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> on, a, on a molecular level, that's on a DNA <laughs> level, that is true. Spoilers. But I don't, like, as much as, as much as I adore Mark Hamill and the character of Luke Skywalker, I don't think what he brought to that character is irreplaceable. I think a good enough actor like Ryan Gosling could be Luke Skywalker in his prime. No, I do not think Ryan Gosling is going to play Luke Skywalker in a television series, but I think it could be done. If anybody has the money to pay Ryan Gosling it's for Disney. a TV show, it's Disney who has all of the money. So I don't know. I don't think that that's what they're going to do. Disney really seems like they're branching out and finding different eras of the brand to, to explore. I don't think that they're going to go back. I would like to I see. Don't, I don't think so either. I would like to see that. I would like to see more Luke Skywalker stuff. I'd like to see. 
Um, I, I, I wouldn't be against them recasting. I think that a lot of people would have problems with it. Matt, do you, would you have a problem with recasting? I don't think so. Really? Be- that fucking shocks me. That, well, that's, why, be- why wouldn't you? Okay, so when they announced the sequel trilogy, I was very much hell-bent on, like, you gotta get the original actors back to, you know, reprise their roles, or I'm not gonna be into it. And we got that, okay? I feel like that scratched that itch. Now, mm-hmm. if you need to go back and tell the story that happens in that gap, which I think, like I said, is more interesting than what's happening in the movies. Yeah, let's see it. If, if that means, if the way that we are going to have to see that in a live action format, obviously you have to recast it. Man. So, well, how, I mean, that's the only way. Either that or, you know, when, um, when the prequels came out and those were like the first movies that established you could have a computer-generated character interact and it and it felt lifelike uh it felt real like it was part of the world and it was kind of such a breakthrough and it made me think man like maybe the technology isn't quite there but maybe like in 10 years the technology will be there where they can digitally recreate a younger Mark Hamill or a younger Harrison Ford and you can get those actors to do the voices but obviously they have to look younger and I thought that like that would be an approach they could take um this was way back during when the prequels were coming out uh there was a a movie a Final Fantasy animated movie that came out um that had not perfect not 100% lifelike but really like took a big leap toward realism that you know we hadn't seen yet that started to make me think that the technology could get there where you could substitute it now i think after seeing the success of um younger actors coming in and filling the shoes of other characters like you and mcgregor it i think maybe they could go ahead and and recast uh and I don't think I would say that if we didn't get the um, episode seven, eight, and nine with the uh, the original actors reprising their roles. You were mentioning uh, that like sort of CG performance blend to make an actor younger. We've seen that they can they can do that. They did it in uh, Civil War with right. Robert Downey Jr. They did it, I think, more successfully with uh, Jeff Bridges in Tron, the the Tron Legacy, where he comes back as a younger version of Flynn, and it's it's legit, man. It looks really good. I think they always look just a little off. It looks a little dreamlike or something. And I thought it was really good. There, I feel like there's almost you can't pinpoint it. You can't. I can't specifically tell you what is off about it, but there's something that feels off. Same thing when they put Tarkin in there, and and when they put Princess Leia in in Rogue One. I mean, it's just off enough for something to not like register as reality. Those two were complete CG rebuilds, Mm -hmm. but I'm like the Jeff Bridges thing is like was a performance that was the same as the Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. is a performance by a living actor that is was that Robert Downey Jr.? I believe so and they just the Robert Downey Jr. Jeff Bridges and Michael Douglas looked really fucking good um Tarkin and Leia were 
really freaking creepy. Um, but like I didn't see I didn't see Tron, but in the case of Robert Downey Jr. and Michael Douglas, that's like a total of like five minutes of screen time. Right. The and of- with a movie budget. Right. There's no way they do that for a TV series. So uh, one last thing, um, there. The last time they attempted to do a live action Star Wars TV show was back when Lucas still owned Star Wars and he was working on it. And they had, I believe they had a hundred episodes written, uh, with a hundred scripts and they were basically just trying to figure out a cost effective way of bringing these stories to life. It was going to be called Star Wars Underworld and it was going to focus more on like the, the seedy underbelly world of, Star Wars as opposed to kind of like the what the surface shiny surface version that the we knew overworld. from the movies the overworld Star Wars overworld yeah and sounds I, like a bad video game maybe I maybe thought Star they'll Wars recycle Underworld was a video game it's a just hearing a bad it. video game it was uh Star Wars 1313 mm-hmm. it it was which was considered the level that existed like under the the planet core or something. Boba Fett in that one. Um, is that Boba Fett? It might have been. Or is that I don't know. One of maybe those it's other weird Fets. Or is maybe that it's Shmoba Fett. So um, I, I don't think, think this is pre Sabine. I don't think they're gonna recycle what they worked on already. Uh, I, I guess there were a number of really good writers from other TV projects and everything that wrote these stories that. You know, Star Wars is timeless. It's not like, oh, you can't tell that now. Uh, well, you can. And if they're good, I hope that they do use them. But I, I just don't expect that they're going to really follow any kind of template that that they had been working on. Um, I think this is going to take place in the sequel era. And it's going to be the story of upcoming Jedi to augment what happens in Episode Nine. Even though episode nine is probably going to be out before then, right? But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a sequel, sequel timeline. Interesting. There's going to be a young Jedi learning the, learning the ways. I think it might be like a Kane and Jarrus story, but in, uh, Ray, Ray times. Ian, where do you think this is going to fall? I really don't know. Um, I'd probably guess that it's going to be in the sequel timeline as well. I think that they're going to want to push, you know, the fans that are into this new timeline. Your favorites are dead. Long live Ray. And getting, (laughs) I don't know if that's what the the millennials are saying, but it could be. I think that they're going to want to um, give more product to the people that like this newer stuff. Yeah, that's kind of the way that they're they're going. They've done some. They've 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 given us older fans stuff like Rebels and the Clone Wars in the past, and now they're gonna start branching out these sequels. So I think that's what we're gonna get out of Ryan Johnson, right? I think we all kind of unanimously agree. I his- think we're gonna get some like completely different, like whatever he was thinking of, new shit, totally disconnected from you know Ray Finn Poe. See, I th- I thought it was gonna be the Adventures of the Broom Kid. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah. Right. And Guys, that, come on. We know it's going to be Adventures of Broom Kid. They should get Star Wars Kid to be Broom, Broom Kid. Kid. 
There's no way Ryan Johnson doesn't do Adventures of Broom Kid. Yeah. That said, I'm way more excited about John Favreau and whatever he does than I am about whatever Ryan Johnson does. So we've been we've been um on the receiving end of three big Star Wars announcements since about the time The Last Jedi was coming out, right? Ryan Johnson is getting uh, a new series. We don't know when and where it's going to take place. Uh, the Game of Thrones showrunner guys are going to get Their a movie series, series yeah. and John Favreau is going to get a TV series. Out of the three, what what are we most looking forward to? Probably a TV series. I am looking forward to the John Favreau TV series. I'm a TV guy, long form storytelling guy over here, and I think I I, I, I don't know. I just feel like John Favreau really. I, I think he's going to get it. He's going to understand Star Wars. Matt, we were talking about how Dave Filoni understands Star Wars. And through a whole Clone Wars series, through a whole Rebel series, there were misses. Monumental. Mon- monumental. Monumental. Monumental misses, man. <laughs> monumental swings and misses by him in those two series. But for the most part, um, he really got stuff right. And when he nailed stuff, he nailed it. And I think John Favreau, John Favreau is going to come from that same school. Um, Ryan Johnson clearly is doing whatever the fuck he wants to do and doesn't understand what this entire universe is about. I think uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are going to fall somewhere in between there. Some stuff's going to be really cool. Some stuff's going to be really weird. There's so much unknown with that stuff. Like, we don't know timeline... We don't know. I, We're all assuming it's going to be Game of thrones right. It's going to be the medieval knows? version of Star Wars. I hope yeah. it is. I really, really hope it is. I hope they do go back to like you know the original Jedi and really explore that. I think that would be fun. Uh, Ian, what are you most looking forward to out of the three that have been announced? Man, there's so much unknown. I think the Game of Thrones guys stuff. I'd have to see what the... Disney Netflix model is going to look like and what the production quality of their You don't get to. Show. You need to pick right now. Okay. Well then, three I'm, three bears. Which bear do you yeah, like? Well, that's why I'm saying that I'm not that excited about John Favreau as the showrunner to this overarching new like Netflix Cuz you don't like good product. things. You don't like just right. It's no, it's 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 right next to it. But the like I was saying before, there's so much unknown. It could be so many things. Um, I'm kind of interested in that. I'm intrigued by the unknown, Paul. So wait, what, what did you pick then? Uh, the Game of Thrones. Okay, uh, you guys. I got attacked mid. Uh, well, that's mid okay. Thought. You you can shift your your ire toward me. Because uh, I'm going to say the Ryan Johnson. Turn your microphone off. You piece off. of fucking dog you fucking shit. Garbage. Get Turn the your fuck out of here. Microphone off. I I think that um, Ian get him. <laughs> I what I mean, Paul. When you say he doesn't get Star Wars, I I disagree with that like vehemently. But I'm not gonna sit here and argue about it. But I think that um, a trilogy where he's not beholden to uh, the existing characters and you know certain expectations, I think he can make a really fucking good series because. Um, I think he demonstrated some really good things in episode eight, even if he maybe mishandled some existing characters. That's all. It's fair. Ian, have we read any comic books recently? This is I last I heard the name of this podcast 
is the McSauce Star Wars podcast? No, it's Chomic, the Chomic mo- book movie. Chomic book. The McSauce comic book podcast. Comic book. It's Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> the old scriptures that we read. <laughs> oh, the holy papers. Have you read any comic books recently? Well, we we all agreed to read the same comic book. Yeah, this is a, this is a rare a rare occasion when we decided to all read the same book. Um, Which is we, funny because for you longtime fans or fans of going back into the archives which they can find on mcsaucepodcast.libson.com you can find the original episodes and back when we first started we used to each you know i think the very first episode i think we reviewed star wars the dark horse star wars number one yeah if memory serves uh brian wood's Star Wars number one, and um, that seems like a lifetime ago. Because it was, because it was, it was very different. <laughs> <laughs> it was two hundred and thirty episodes ago. Yeah, uh, a lot has happened in between then and now, and um, since then we've read like a few comic books that. We're gonna we're gonna finally talk about a comic book here tonight. I think I think this year in 2018, what the three of us want to start doing is talking a little more comics and reading the same, the same comics every so often over the course of the last 230 episodes. Oh, talk about this, talk about this, but we've never really made a focal point to all read the same thing. Well, this week we all read Gideon Falls. Published by Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, drawn by Andrea Sorrentino, and I was underwhelmed. And and by the way, this was Paul's pick. This was your pick of the week. This was my will. pick. I love like Jeff Lemire's never really let me down. I love him and Dustin Wynn's uh, Descender book. Uh, I, I wasn't well. I guess he does let me down. I didn't like Sweet Tooth. He didn't like Bloodshot uh, Reborn oh, I didn't either. Like Bloodshot Reborn either. Um, but I really like um, Descender. I really like you like um, Animal Man. Oh, I loved Animal Man. Did he, he did, write I Vampire? He did. No, uh, Josh Fialkov did. Okay, I that's right. Yeah. Andrea Sorrentino did the artwork for right. I Vampire. So the the elevator pitch for Gideon Falls is a b- black barn shows up in the city. And it creates evil things. No one really knows what's going on with it. After the first issue, what's going on is is it looks like um, one of our characters is finding pieces of this black barn in the trash. And he's collecting it and cataloging it and putting it it together. Norton is the character, I believe. Norton Sinclair, yes. And that's interspersed with shots of um, Pastor Fred in Gideon Falls. The previous pastor died of mysterious circumstances. And he wakes up one night and wanders out into the field and finds a big black barn. I thought you were going to say something else. Um, Cock. (laughs) Well, what... what, Is that it? No. He doesn't just wake up in the middle of the night. He is awoken. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, we can we can start there. Um, I think we've said before on this podcast that comics are a hard 
horror medium because like it you know the you know cinematography and music adds a lot of ambiance to a scene sound effects mm-hmm. you're not going to get a lot of jump scares in a comic book well here perfect example tonight earlier before the show a uh, little behind the scenes we were watching the original texas chainsaw massacre there's very little music in that movie and as a result i think some of the tension suffers a bit because of the lack of of music and Ian, there's no music in comic books. Not not as of yet. Now, they do have those greeting cards that when you open them, they play songs. What if comic books started doing that? Would Actually, you enjoy it, that? It would probably be easier to do that shit uh, in the digital comics, right? Like, as you turn the page or whatever, like, music starts to play. Right. Or, or if there's, like, a jump scare, maybe when you, like tap the screen to go to the next page it goes faster yeah or something i I still think if you're doing the uh assisted the guided view yeah so it it does panel by panel by panel right it isolates it isolates so as i'm reading the book i don't know that a um creepy supernatural priest. priest has risen from the dead and is on top of my bed yeah it's so like you know we've we've talked about like comic book panels that have stood out to us over time and you know the the walking dead panel where glenn gets his eye bashed out oh yeah the the, the one panel where his eyes hanging out and he's like maggie it's so fucked up like i will never forget that panel but that's like that's gory but this is this page in gideon falls is probably my first jump scare in a comic book because you go through you go through the rest of the book up until that point and the color red is used very minimally it has a very washed out earth tone kind of deal through most of the book and then and there like there's no precedent set for ghosts or spirits and by the time you turn the page to this panel you're like holy shit and it's it's creepy it's just it's it's weird it's very well drawn this panel. Uh, overall, I wasn't happy about the artwork in the book, but this, yeah, this panel, I mean, really great jump scare like, in a comic book. Only one I've ever experienced. Well done, Andrea Sorrentino. Yeah, Sorrentino changed his style a little bit over the years because this feels real wood carved. Like, I he went out of his way to go for totally this. I thought that was a woman. Um, Andrea, I, I thought. Wow. Yeah, I, I think it's a, an Italian male. Okay. I th- yeah, it that's a that's one of the problems I've had with this book. I think they're trying to be too cute. Yeah. The crux of the story is going to be the big black barn. And the barn is a big wooden barn. So I think like it I, I think it was on purpose that a lot of the artwork is real scratchy cuz I'm a like dummy. I just, it looks like it's drawn on wood. On wood. Yeah, yeah. Or painted on wood. Now. And yeah, that's real cute. I get where you're going for, but it winds up making a lot of the pages and panels look sloppy. They look washed out to me. Yeah, like Matt, we were talking a little bit earlier. A couple of those early panels, you can't really tell what's going on. Um, you really need to really need to pay attention. Um, so I appreciate 
what they're trying to do, but if they did away with that for the second issue, I'd be totally okay with that. Because it's, I, I think it's primarily a lot of the blacks that show that um, show that wood grain, a lot of the like heavy heavy black colors. Yeah, and and you know what? It's really hard to judge a comic book on one issue. It's almost like judging. It would be like judging a TV show on the, <laughs> like, the pilot. like on the pilot or even less, really, like the first 10 minutes, because this is like the very first, like if you were to film all of this, I'd imagine that this might be what, two commercial breaks before you get to the end? Like, I don't know if you could fill a whole 22 minutes with yeah. all the stuff that they do yeah. here. So I don't know. Um. I don't, so you were let down. I didn't have a lot of expectations going into this. Oh, I'm not out on this book. I'm not out either. I'm just saying you said that you were underwhelmed. And yeah, and I, I think a lot of that was the artwork because I loved iVampire. When DC kicked off, kicked that off with, with the new 52, Andrea Sorrentino was the artist, and it's it was so creepy. And like it was so so moody, a lot of a lot of heavy blacks and I think this weird wood grain takes a lot out of it. Like I couldn't stop looking at it. I couldn't just focus on the story and read the story. It it got to the point as I'm going through it, I'm like, okay, where is the wood grain showing up? Is the wood grain just on the blacks? Is it just on the reds? Is it just on heavy shadows? What does it mean to the story? What am I trying to figure out? Is it a puzzle or is it just a weird art thing? And maybe a lot of that is just me and I'm overthinking it. But the wood grain was just too much. The story, I like. I'm way more interested into the story of Pastor Fred, new pastor in a small town. Previous pastor died of mysterious circumstances. He's going to figure out why, we assume. Like, I'm, I'm into that. I love small town. Father Tom, right? Father Tom died. Father Tom under died. Is that your Fred was the name of the, the, new guy. the new guy. Is that your religious up- upbringing that uh, makes you interested in all uh, this? I, no, I don't think it's so much the religious nature of it as it is. You know, small town horror mystery. It more harkens back to my supernatural love, the t- television series. Uh, I see. And you're just general supernatural. You like, you like, I love ghosts and goblins shit, and haunted I shit. Do. I love, I love, that. I love monsters. Um, I was so excited. I saw a, a couple trailers for the AMC series, The Terror. I haven't seen that. But I, I only caught like the title card because I'm fast forwarding through commercials. I catch the title card at the end, the terror, and I see it like what what I caught from fast forwarding through the through the commercials, and then the title card was, oh, this this ship in the early 1900s gets stuck in like icy waters in near Alaska, and there's a fucking monster up there and it kills the crew and someone needs to escape i bet that's not what it is at all it's not that at all it's it's historical semi-fiction about boats that tried to traverse those waters got stuck in the ice and like the crews had to like eat each other to survive and like fuck you whatever historical accuracy nonsense (laughs) give me a fucking 
monster. I want to see the Yeti ripping people apart up there. But um, there's a pretty long afterward in this in Gideon Falls by Jeff Lemire talking about um, where the story came from, how long he sat with the story. He's finally getting to tell it now. And it really sounds like there's going to be some monsters and ghosts and creepy crawlies. It's not going to be, oh, we're stuck in the ice. Shit. Yeah, it's definitely a passion project for him since 1996. He he had this idea whenever he was in film school, sort of tried to, and it has some sort of um, attachment to his move from the rural areas of Canada to moving into Toronto and how he felt about the city. So it feels like it really is a uh, personal story that he wants to tell, and those are always the best. So I'm, I'm interested in it. Yeah, I'm interested. I, I think I think going forward, it's it's gonna be good. I just just that that artwork. It's just so distracting so far. Yeah, I agree with with you on that. The artwork is my least favorite. I just wish that they would take a solid fucking brush and outline some of this goddamn shit. Yeah, Matt, what are you thinking over there? Uh, I generally agree uh, that. It could be solid, uh, especially if it goes down the path of really full-blown supernatural monsters and various things like that. Um, I do think that the art is good at best sometimes, and it's pretty indiscernible sometimes. And uh, it seems like it's really reliant on... Um, photo reference, uh, which I tend to hate because I feel like it, um, I feel like artwork then loses its sense of life when that happens. And I feel like just about every single panel in here probably had some kind of photo reference. Uh, I might be wrong, but that's the sense I get. Um, a couple other visual things that I had a problem with, and I know it's kind of nitpicky, but what is up with the pointers on these word balloons just oh, being lines? Yeah, there's no, there's no, air, there's no uh, point. There's no. It's point. just a line. It's just that's weird. It's a, it, I, I it didn't ends in a that. square. Yeah, yeah. It's um, bullshit. Yeah, it's complete bullshit. Wor- worse yet, okay. Worse yet, the font on the inside of these word balloons. Is unreadable. There, there's the letters are are very thin in they're, nature. They're a hair too thin, right? But beyond, and they're and they're very condensed, so it's kind of hard to read. It's kind of a, a very tall font for what it is. But like, the problem is there are aspects of like each letter form where the line gets so thin it almost vanishes. And it feels like an incomplete, like it didn't print fully or something. And it drove me crazy reading it. It's all, it's <laughs> over the entire book. I didn't um, have that problem with it, but I do see it. It's definitely a hand-drawn font. If you look at some of the way that the, the O's will double over themselves, the, some of the, like the N's, the lines cross over top and overlap. Right. I mean, it's still a font, right? It's not, it's not like it's hand lettered. No, I mean like it looks like somebody like created a font that they drew first you know what i mean yeah. you know how you can do that well that's what all comic book fonts are right mm, not all of them i mean oh. some of them are just font fonts yeah the like I, I i took note of the font but what really stuck out to me were those 
those tails on the word balloons. I'm yeah. like, why? I didn't even why? notice that. That's there's a, there's why? zero uh, tapering to them. Usually they're thicker where it meets the balloon and then it points where it gets closer but, to the character. Like, and if it if it was something that clearly like the wood grain and the artwork, I don't like it, but I understand what they're doing because the big picture is the wooden barn. But there's no. I don't think there's any artistic precedent for having the tails on those word balloons just be just be a fucking rectangle. It's just strange because odd the, for the balloon, sake. The balloon itself has a, a slightly organic kind of nature to it. They're not perfect circles. They've got a little bit of distressing around the edges and yet the 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 pointers or the tails are perfect lines like out of Adobe Illustrator. Yeah. It's just, it, I don't know. It's like just a slight aesthetic that maybe only designer nerds are going to notice. But, um, well, guess what? We are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're designer nerds, buddy. Because, yeah, that was one of the first things I picked up on, too. I'm glad you brought it up because I almost forgot about it. Um, so, with all that said, though, the story itself didn't really interest me. I was I was pretty bored reading it. Um, Paul, I may read another one if you get another one. Is that because you wanted to get into Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, possibly, but I, I believe that I, I gave it a fair shake. Uh, you know, I read it, I got it, uh, for the most part. Um, it, I don't think it stacks up to some of my more, uh, favorite Jeff Lemire stuff, particularly I think his Valiant stuff is maybe my favorite that I've read from him. Uh, you know, he's had some misses. I've read some of his old man Logan stuff. Didn't grab me. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I think I read like... Did you get his Green Arrow run? I didn't. No, I, di- I didn't get that. I um, got his his Justice League that was set in Canada. And it was solid. I liked it. Um, I didn't read that either. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look at his... Uh, it is resume to see what all I've read of his. His comicography. Descender's been great. The image I book really I like read Descender that. all that much. Yeah. yeah. I read I read uh, the first few Moon Nights. Not very good. I was bored by it. Well, I'm starting to realize maybe you know like like pretty much every writer that I've ever read they're hit and miss. Like I can't think of anybody who's knocked it out of the park on everything I've ever read from them. I mean, it's hard to do that when you're putting out a lot of content. True. And Jeff Lemire puts out a lot of content. Especially lately, yeah. He's becoming one of those guys. Um, you know, it's funny, though, like because some of my favorite writers that I've ever read in comic books have also written things that I consider garbage. It's not just like, ah, eh, you know, I'm kind of indifferent about it. Yeah. Like, there's stuff that was just straight up bad. I yeah. just didn't like it. And it's really funny that there's such a a broad spectrum of quality among like a, a particular creator sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I've I've I forget where I was reading it or listening to they were commenting on the way that Americans view content, be it movies, novels, novel novels specifically, I think it was, where we really stack up the wins and losses and like with with comic books like when something bad happens we kind of pile on a little bit more than maybe the rest of the world does people that take in the same content over in England and in in Canada don't 
don't look at those creators with such a side eye like oh well that last thing that they did was bad they're just like oh well i like this person and here's the next thing and they're going to make something else and they're just going to keep writing and and it leads to those writers also not 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 getting into a bad place of having writer's block or worrying so much they just freely create things and i think sometimes we like we're a little too critical on like the hits and misses of of some sometimes writers write bad shit he and did we don't justice like league it. dark which i forgot about oh yeah I, that was really, was really good really good yeah. yeah so yeah writers are gonna fuck up i don't mean to be critical but i like that justice league united was the justice i remember league that too that was i read i think i read one issue of that but i liked it i liked sweet tooth man i thought that was a good book i thought I essex county was good Oh, he did Teen Titans Earth 1, which I have upstairs, which was okay. Mm -hmm. I think it was a really good starting point for a Teen Titans book. It was a very modern take on it. So they need to get on number two. Uh, He did All New Hawkeye, Extraordinary X-Men, in 2017, Old Man Logan, last year. Neither of you read those books, I'm guessing. Um, I read the first issue of Old Man Logan. It didn't blow me away. Yeah, I read... I think I... Oh, God. There was an arc where um, he was a prisoner. uh, Gosh, I... I didn't read the whole thing, but he was fighting some woman, like, assassin character, and um, it was the ones where the covers had, like... um, you know, in one issue it had all three claws out, and the next issue one claw was out, and the next issue just like one. Wasn't that the like? I think that was Logan his, dies or Wolverine dies. It was like his like last, I think, yeah. arc on that book. And I remember reading it at the comic book store on Wednesday nights when I would be there, and just being pretty underwhelmed by it. Yeah. Um. You know what I? I suggest you figure it out and bring it next week when we return. Because the, we will. Because we will. To the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, we're here. We talk comic books. And a lot of other things. That's going to do it for us tonight. Does, do either of you have any, any more to add? Thank you for listening. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next time. My name's Paul McGinty. Did we screw Ian, this up? Did I screw this you, up? You screwed this up. Ian Sharpley. How does it normally go? You, you say. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Casal. We'll see you next time.